Welcome to Coming Home with Julian Awad, where we discuss salvation through Jesus Christ, a production of Coming Home Ministries. Every single day, we make a choice to either live for something or for someone. And once we actually realize what we live for, we can really start living and maybe even understand what we could die for without hesitation. But either way, knowing what we live for helps us to put our priorities in order. And if we have any shame about what we're doing, it makes it clear. Let's pray. Lord, I'm excited for today. I'm excited to share the word that you've given to me with everyone that's listening. I'm excited for the hearts that I believe that are going to be encouraged and changed today. Father, we ask that you do all the work. And I ask, Lord, that they wouldn't hear me, but they would hear you today. Hide me behind the cross, Lord, and help me as I need it. In Jesus' name, amen. So I remember when I was a kid that I, you know, I got made fun of a lot. I was mocked most of my life. I grew up moving around all over the world, actually. And uh, particularly when I lived in Australia, those were tough times. I remember being mocked and made fun of for my accent, uh, for the way that I looked, for being different, from being from the United States. It was tough. I didn't know how to do the things that the other kids did. I didn't know some of the games that they had, some of the sports that they had. Everything was different. I wasn't ashamed of being an American or being different, but it did lead to a few fights along the way. As a teen, I became a Christian, and uh, for being good or for not going out and doing things like drinking or doing drugs, I got made fun of. In fact, some people didn't want to be my friend. Then when I started sharing the gospel, boy, that, that made things even tougher. I was mocked behind my back. I was mocked even in front of the entire class. I wasn't ashamed of being a Christian, and I really loved Jesus, and I wanted to thank Jesus, and I wanted to share my experience that I had with Jesus with other people. But it definitely led to some tough times and some days that were very difficult. I think about 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verse 16, where it says, But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in his name. You know, some of those tough times and some of those people that made fun of me, actually, those times and those things actually led to miracles and stories of redemption. Matthew chapter 5, verse 15 says, Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand... It gives light to all who are in the house. There was one person that made fun of me a lot. That person would make fun of me in the classroom before the teacher would come in, sometimes even while the teacher was there and in the hallways. I remember it bothered me a lot. Some of the things that that person said was very hurtful. But it just so happened that God created the opportunity for that person and I to end up sharing a bus home, an after-school bus. We found out that the two of us actually lived next door to each other, and we never knew it. And we became close friends. We shared some after-school meals together, got to know each other a little bit more, and, well, little by little, I began to share the gospel with him. And that person became a believer and gave his life to Jesus. It was nothing short of a miracle, and it was the perfect timing of God. You know, when we have a light, we don't want to put it under a basket. We want to make sure that it's shared. 
because you never know who in the house is going to need that light to see. I can think of another opportunity that God created, another time in my life that was really, well, it was a, it was a God moment. We had just got done ministering at the homeless shelter and on the way out, I was walking out and I was almost to the door to go and I felt the Holy Spirit tugging at me, telling me to turn around, that there was somebody else there that the Holy Spirit wanted me to talk to. I was almost late and I needed to go, but I turned around knowing that when I feel that moment that the Holy Spirit is saying that there's something else to, that needs to be accomplished or done, I better listen and I better obey. Those are the times when we really see God move anyways. So I turned around and I walked back in, got into the main sanctuary room, and I saw a lot of men there. But immediately the Lord pointed out one person standing all alone in the middle of the room. And that person looked at me and I knew that was who the person, that's, that right there was the person that God wanted me to go talk to. I walked over and walked up and said, hi. And I said, hey, just wondering, I felt like maybe God wanted me to ask if you need any prayer. And the person said, well, no, I'm not sure that I do. And then the person looked at me, this guy, and he said, but I do want to apologize for my red eyes. I looked over at his red eyes and they were totally bloodshot. I didn't think much of it. I said, yeah, no worries. I said, well, have you ever heard the gospel before? He said, well, not really. And so I went through the gospel with him one by one, each step along the way. Where we are without God, how we're all sinners, And how God wanted to redeem us and make sure that there was a way for us to come and be part of his kingdom, to be cleansed and justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. I walked through the entire steps and what it would mean, what the opportunities are, and how it changed, at least how it changed me, and how I've seen it change so many other people's, a full transformation, being born again completely. At the very end, I looked at him and I said, well, what do you think? And he said to me, well... It's definitely something I want to think about. I said, okay. I said, well, go ahead and think, you know, what you want, but don't forget what I said. You never know what God's going to do. I felt the peace of the Holy Spirit come over me, and I knew I had done what I was supposed to do. I looked around, and it was time to go. There were a lot of other men like Dan that was a minister there as well from uh, one, of the, one of the churches that was coming that night to help uh, minister to the men. And I knew he was in good company with Dan there and a few of the others like Bill. So I left. It was so interesting the next week when I first saw Dan as we walked into the homeless shelter. He came excitedly up to me and said, hey, by the way, there was a guy that came up to me and said that you had shared the gospel with him and he wanted to think about it. But it had only been a minute or so after you left and he came over, interrupted me and said, I need to accept Jesus Christ right now. It was that very moment that he got down on his knees with Dan and he accepted Jesus into his life and surrendered his life. And the man got up and told Dan that he had thought about it, but he didn't want to wait any longer. In fact, he had just gotten out of the hospital and had been released to the homeless shelter. Just a few days earlier, he had tried to take his own life. He had hung himself, but the rope had broken. And while he had spent time in the hospital, he felt like, Well, that God had given him a second chance and that there was a reason. After I had got done sharing the gospel with him and left, he felt like God was saying to him, this is the reason I have given you a second chance, a second chance in life. So I never take these situations lightly. 
You never know who around you needs to hear the gospel. I say all that because even though I know who I live for, and there are some days where it's difficult and it's scary, and even I feel well challenged to go ahead and share the gospel, I know that the Lord is leading me. And I know I can trust the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit opens up the door. And I think about in Luke chapter 9, verse 26, where it says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and his holy angels. I know it's really important that whenever I come in contact with someone, that I not only am able to say who I am in Christ, but I'm able to share Christ with others. You know, Jesus was beaten, whipped, tortured, and died for our sake. I think about Isaiah 53, verse 5, where it says that he was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole, and he was whipped so we could be healed. If you think about that for a moment, Jesus came and took all the sin of the world upon him, and he became the sacrifice. He took the penalty and the the punishment that we all deserve for our sins so that we, through him, can end up being cleansed, purified, and holy, and we can be reconciled to God. You know, he was beaten and disfigured for our sake, torn with a whip for our redemption. They say that he was so disfigured that he didn't even look human anymore at the end. As we continue in Isaiah, verse 6 and 8 continues, and it says that we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. I think a lot about what the Lord has done for me over these years. And more and more as I get older, I think more about what he went through on that day in Golgotha. How he was punished, tortured. And like Isaiah prophesied, he did it all without opening his mouth. He could have, at the snap of his fingers, had legions of angels there. In fact, the father had to watch as his own son was spit upon. I think of what God went through just to reconcile me from my sin, and by extension, you and your sin. It makes me think of a story that I heard about a little girl who struggled with school. And a lot of the kids there made fun of her. She struggled like I did when I was a kid. She was often made fun of by her classmates. Each day she was dropped off by her mother, and it was hard for her because her mother had a disfigured and horrible, horribly disfigured face. The other parents and the kids would see it, and some would actually visibly recoil. 
The little girl knew that everybody was recoiling at her mother. And some of the kids would tease her or make fun of her because of her mother. It was hard for her, and she often felt hurt, even ashamed. And there were days that she kind of wished her mother didn't look that way, or that maybe she could come to school without her mother, or maybe even that she had a different mother. One day when she got a little older, her mother sat down with her and decided to tell her what had happened. She told her that when she was just a little baby, there was a fire in the house and that the mother had gone in to save her. But that as a result of that, she had was burned on the way out. And those burns left the scars and the disfigurement on her face. When the girl heard that, she wasn't ashamed anymore. In fact, she was proud of her mother. And when she went to school, she held her head high, knowing that she had a mother that was willing to sacrifice for her. Many of us are ashamed of our Lord. We're ashamed of our Messiah, our Savior in public. He is our king, maybe at church or around other Christians, but maybe not as much at home when we're alone, when we're watching TV, when we're making choices, when we're losing our temper, when we're on social media, and maybe when we're around unbelievers or in public, it gets, well, hard, and we're scared what others may say about what we believe in. Maybe we're ashamed of our beliefs, actually. They're beliefs that we were brought up with. But as we begun to think about them, we've started to be concerned about what we really believe in. Or maybe we're scared that somebody might reject us or mock us for our beliefs. But remember that the Father sent His Son into the fire to rescue us. So take a moment and take stock. Are there any areas in your life where you're ashamed? Maybe ashamed of your actions or maybe even ashamed of what you believe in? What are you ashamed of if you think of Christ or the Bible or the Word of God? Is there anything there when somebody asks you about or comments about other Christians that you might be ashamed of? Are you ashamed of the gospel when you're in public with others? How about, are you ashamed of the gospel? Especially when you're in public or when you meet someone and you really want to share gospel with them, but there's a level of shame about the gospel. If someone asks you if you believe in the Bible or if you believe in Jesus, how does it make you feel? Ashamed or proud? First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But in your hearts, set Christ apart. As holy and acknowledging him, this is the amplified version, as holy acknowledging him and giving him first place in your life as Lord. Always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope and the confident assurance elicited by faith that is within you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Are you afraid to talk to others about Jesus? Second Timothy uh, chapter 2 verse 15 says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, but accurately handling the word of truth. 
So what are you going to do about it today? Who do you really live for? Do you know the Bible? Do you know the word of truth? And when you look at your life, do you see that you're really living for something else? Are you living for maybe money, respect, love from other people? Are you living for yourself? Or do you live for Jesus daily and pick up your cross and follow him alone to raise your eyes up and look at him in all things? When you figure out what you live for, you can prioritize your time, action, and life in congruency. But sometimes when you realize what exactly you live your life for, you also realize that you might need a change. And if you don't live for Christ in all things, ask yourself why. What is it there that's holding you back? And remember that no matter what, God loves you and is waiting for you to come to him, no matter what you've done or how you've lived. And if you feel the tug on your heart that you need to repent, do so quickly. He's waiting for you with open arms for you to cleanse your heart with him. Psalms 130 verse 4 says, But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. What an awesome God that we have. He's ready to forgive us for any reason that we might come and learn how to respect and fear him. And what a glorious thing it is to fear our God. We don't fear him because, you know, he's mean and angry and the type of fear that we might think of in this world. But we fear him because he's our creator. And he's a God who gave so much for us and wants to give us so much more that we learn to respect him and fear him. You know, there's no greater opportunity or purpose for you in your life other than to live for God completely. He's a God that has more for you. He wants better for you and, and better things for you than, that, than you even want. And that's the part of surrendering everything to God and allowing him to not only give you the things that you need, but to allow him to give you the treasures from his heart. Today is that day. And I encourage you to seize it. Seize this free gift that God has for you to live in his glory. Whether you've never done it before and you've never given your life to Christ or you're a believer and you know that there's more and you haven't lived completely for God. If you're ready to walk without shame in a relationship with Jesus, you can have that today. And and if you've never had a life with Jesus and you want to find that life, a life fully surrendered to Jesus, you can have that today as well. So some questions for you to consider. And I ask everyone this, are you sure you'll go to heaven when you die? And are you 100% confident that you're saved? If you say that you're a Christian, are you sure? I can tell you, you can have that confidence today, right now. You can start walking confidently and intimately with God today. In Romans, it's written that there's none that is righteous. No, not even one. And that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. We have to admit that we're sinners first and that we need a savior. God is calling all men and women to repent. And that means to not only to ask for forgiveness, but to turn around and go the other way from our sins. And as my pastor told me recently that he sees repentance as a lifestyle. It's not a one-time thing. It's actually something that we do frequently. Every time that God opens our eyes 
to sin in our life or to a behavior that is taking us away from him. That's what sin is. It's separating us from God. If that means we have to repent multiple times a day, let's do it. We ask for forgiveness, turn around and walk the other way from our sins. That we might be reconciled to him. To stay close to him in everything that we do. Because the wages of sin is death. But that gift of God, that free gift, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I want you to remember something. That you don't have to start doing something good or being good in order to find Christ. That's actually done after you find Christ. The Holy Spirit will empower you to live a Christian life. You don't have to straighten your life out first. You don't have to make yourself well before going to a doctor. Well, Jesus is the great physician. He stated very clearly that it wasn't the healthy that needed the doctor. It was the sick and that he had come to call not on the righteous, but on the sinners. So just come as you are. The blind come just as they are. The prostitutes come just as they are. The drug dealers come just as they are. The gang members come just as they are. The drug and alcohol addicts come just as they are. You come just as you are. God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. He wants you just as you are. So call on Jesus to save you and trust him for your salvation. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. This is for everyone. Anyone who is listening, whether you are a believer or a non-believer, whether you have lived a life full of shame about maybe some secret sins that you have, or that in public you haven't really felt proud about being a believer, I'm telling you that God's ready with open arms and that everyone that calls on him will be saved. Remember that you enter the kingdom of God by faith. And that you're justified by faith and you have peace with God through Jesus Christ. For by grace we are saved through faith. In Romans chapter 5 it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Once you call out to the Lord, you can walk forever within, with him without condemnation. That's what Romans 8.1 says. So if you want to follow the Lord, but you don't know what to pray, just repeat after me. God, I know that I'm a sinner and that the wages of sin is death. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, as a payment for my punishment. And I declare that Jesus is my Lord and profess my faith for salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Thank you for your grace, forgiveness, peace, and gift of eternal life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, your next step is to dig into the Word of God. Get a physical Bible and download the Bible app on your phone. Read it every day without excuse. Look for a Bible-focused church to get connected with other believers that will help you grow in the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Just fill my heart with your love Help me share it with my brother. Help me show them you're the one And beside you there's no other I just can't be strong 
This has been a production of Coming Home Ministries. For more information or to reach us, go to cominghomeministries.net.